This is the Emmanuel Message Podcast. For more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. There are a lot of questions when it comes to hearing the voice of God. How do we know what we are hearing is the voice of God? What do we do with it in our personal meetings and in our church meetings? Pastor Andy addresses all of these questions in another week of the Holy Spirit series. Enjoy the message. All right, we are going in to our seventh week of the Holy Spirit series. Should we keep going? Should we keep going? All right, so, well, we're going to keep going anyway, even if you're like, nah, let's not. (laughs) So it's a trick question. But we are going to go into the second part of hearing the voice of God. Now, last week, uh, if you weren't with us, uh, we had a guest speaker. He's a friend of Emmanuel. His name is Ben Segabart. He'll be around here again, too, to give a word sometime in in the next year. But he kicked off this part of our discussion on how do you hear the voice of God. And his main point last week is that God speaks daily and directly. In fact, one of the things that just really stuck out with me is the way that he put it, is that the Holy Spirit came on people in the Old Testament. Uh, He hovered and came on certain people in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the time after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to reside in every believer. And and everybody who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in Jesus. You And we have the responsibility now to be filled and yield to the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. And so that leads us to our talk today. Uh, there have been a lot of questions. Uh, what does it mean to actually hear the voice of God? Or, or if I hear the voice of God, what do I do with the voice of God? And so, and, that, and these are questions that I, I think that if you haven't had them, we need to start asking them, and then we need to try to journey and say, okay, what is the answer to that question? Because there are a lot, there's a lot of noise in our life, right? Uh, there is a lot of noise. There's a lot of communication that's trying to take up the real estate of your attention, right? In fact, they say in one given day, you will experience, you will hear, you will give the combination of which... 20 to 30,000 words a day. A person will spend on average of hearing those 20 to 30,000 words or speaking those words, an average of 80% of their day will be in some form of communication of which half of it is listening, all right? So you're not doing all the talking. Some of you do more talking than others, right? Some of you are great listeners, but no matter what, if you consider yourself a good listener or bad listener, over half of your communication is listening. Now, I know listening isn't, it doesn't require physical exertion, but it's hard, okay? Especially, uh, right, it's hard, right? But the thing is, we need to be good listeners. Why? Because we only take in and keep 25% of what we hear, all right? So we have a lot competing for our attention. A lot is being said to us. Uh, some of it's true. Some of it's not. Some of it's we're rehearsing what's in our minds. But we only remember 25% of it. That's why uh, when we open up God's word, that's why we are in this time when we, are, when we are going to bring out what is God saying to us today. That's why when you're praying, that's why you always need to have something ready to take notes. You always need to have something to where you can remember the important. Because if you don't write down what's important, you won't remember what's important. So, in fact, studies have shown what just happens to us when we are haphazard with what we allow in our mind and our hearts. In fact, negativity is something that we are naturally drawn to in our fallen state. And when we allow negative voices, negative people to be in our life and we just take it in, it actually causes brain damage. All right? Uh, neurons actually start pulling up away from your hippocampus. And they hurt your ability to problem solve. 
And in fact, as you're around negative people, it becomes intoxicating and you as well become a negative person. So negativity wants your attention. Also, distractions want your attention. In fact, every 40 seconds you're distracted and it's getting less and less uh, with what this thing is. Hello, our iPhones, right? Our push notifications, okay? Every 40 seconds, for some of you, it's like every five seconds and you could be in a really good conversation. You can be in a life-giving conversation, a directional conversation and then all of a sudden, boom, and you're like, Oh, sweet. I got another track on Mario Kart. <laughs> Whoa, look at that cat. Or, you know, if for those of you that have been around the block for a while, the new Candy Crush, right? Like, you look at all these things, and they're, they're push notifications that are absolutely garbage, but yet you feel compelled to be distracted by them. That's just one set of distractions that is looking for our attention. And it happens every 40 seconds on average, but it takes 23 minutes to get back on task. And what about the things that we keep on repeating in our mind? The things that were said to us, the things that we say to ourselves. And again, repeating truth is good, all right? When we're reading the word of God, uh, we want to make sure that we are repeating the word of God to us. This is, this is uh, life. Uh, this is directional. This is authoritative. This is without error. Uh, of course, it is good to repeat that which is true, but it's a different story when we're repeating something that's not true or not important. Someone may have said something to you that's of importance in your life. They may have said something to you that has been absolutely hurtful and you've just been on repeat. Or something's been said to you over and over and over again and you begin to believe it. In fact, we rehearse these falsehoods. It creates what is called the illusionary effect. It's the familiarity of what's being said that's false that begins to overpower rationality. In fact, right now in this season, uh, politicians, hello, right? They can say the same thing over and over and over again. Like, that's a lie. Well, guess what? They're going to keep on saying it. And eventually, they're like, I think I believe that, right? Uh, it, the same goes with our, our timelines on social media. Uh, people can post things, and if you see it enough, you begin to believe it. Or advertisers, right? Hey, if you don't have enough money, guess what? For everything else, there's MasterCard, right? Uh, if, if you're tired, guess what? Red Bull gives you wings. And if you're hungry, Arby's has the meats, right? And so you think of these things and you're like, I, to be honest, that is a good tagline because I didn't eat at Arby's for years and now I'm like, I'm gonna go to Arby's today. It has the meats, right? And so you begin to rehearse these things and they know it. They spend millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Why? Because they know that if you hear it enough and you're not guarding your heart, you will believe it as, as so. And again, rehearsing the right things is not bad, but oftentimes we don't guard our minds and we have so many voices that are going all over the place to where we begin to believe anything that we hear. Let me give you a quick example in my life. A quick example would be, uh, I went to the doctors, uh, this is years ago, and they said, Andy, we think you may have a genetic predisposition. Uh, they looked at the family tree, and they said, you may have a, a genetic predisposition uh, to certain ailments, including cancer. And I thought, really? And so, like, we'd like you to get a test. Now, here's the deal. I don't like, like going to the doctors to begin with, so am I going to get the test right away? No, I'm going to put this thing off. I put this test off for over a year, and in that year, I began to rehearse 
what if I have this? What if I have this? And then it took a slight turn. I think I have this gene. I think I have this gene. And it took another slight turn. I have this gene. I'm going to have all these diseases. I'm going to die. All right? And Allison, you had to put up with me for a whole year like that. I'm like driving. Like, Is this the last vacation I'm ever going to take? And so, and I just need to take the test, right? But I don't want to take the test. So finally, I took the test. I got the call back from the nurse saying, we have your results. And she said, uh, you're, you're negative. You don't have it. But I, I heard this thing in my mind for so long, I didn't believe the nurse. To be completely honest, there's still parts of me like, I think maybe they were wrong, right? Because when you hear something for so long, it's hard to let go that that might be false. You see, we have to let go of the things in our mind that are not true. And we have to hold on to the very words of God, which is true. We have to guard our minds of the voices that we hear. We have to listen to the voice of our almighty God. See, all too often we are letting things in our minds that only God should have. We let things take the throne of our mind and the throne of our heart and only God should have those. So in these confusing times where many voices are being thrown at us, in these confusing times where perhaps you know somebody who was a follower of Christ, now they've kind of drifted from Christ, uh, perhaps in these confusing times where, where it seemed like two plus two equaled four, but now people are even questioning that, what do you make of everything? The thing is, is we need to long, we need the voice of God. And so we're going to turn to John chapter 10 today, John chapter 10, and we'll be uh, different various scriptures as well, but I'd like you to turn there in your, uh, your app, your Emmanuel Kenosha Church app, or uh, in your physical Bibles. And if you're a guest with us today, we're so happy you're here. Um, the words will be on the screen. All right, John chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read the uh, first five chapters. Truly I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and for the sheep they hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Now notice verse four. Verse four, we see, who are they listening to? The sheep are listening to the shepherd. Why? Because they know his voice. They've been around the shepherd. They, they've come to understand uh, the, the, the words of the shepherd. But notice verse five. When a stranger comes in, the stranger's like, hey, sheep, <laughs> I'm your shepherd. It's kind of like in the cartoon when the bad guy would come and he'd always look like the main character, but he'd have the beard, you know? And so it's like, hey, and it's like, no, but he has, the, he has the evil mustache. He's the fraud. Don't follow him, right? Well, that's what the sheep are, are, are hearing. They're seeing, this isn't our shepherd. Why? Because we've spent time with our shepherd. We know the shepherd's voice. We know what the shepherd asks for. We know what he commands. This isn't anything like what we know. And so the thing is, is that we have to understand what to trust. When we're hearing something, is it coming from the word of God? Does it, does, it, does it contradict the word of God? When we're hearing a voice, is it something that's in the character of God? Or when we're hearing the voice of God, is it indeed God? You know, when I think of a trusted voice, I often picture a baby that longs for their parents. You know, babies learn to recognize, infants learn to recognize the voice of their mother and even father while they're still in the womb. It is the reason why even on the day of the infant's birth, when they hear the voice of the mother, it'll turn its head and look. 
It's the same reason why when somebody else speaks, the baby will often ignore those voices because they don't recognize those voices as their mother. The reason why I can recognize the mother's voice and sometimes the father's voice, they come around to us, all right, is trust is built with time and proximity. Trust is built with time and proximity. Simply put, if you want to recognize the voice of God, if you want to recognize his truth in your life, you need to spend time with God. Your proximity needs to be with God. And the opposite is also true. If you spend time in proximity with the things that are not true, if you spend time in proximity with negative voices, with voices that are giving you falsehood, you in turn will begin to recognize that voice as truth and recognize that voice as something that you should follow. So here's the main idea. You won't hear God if you're not near God. You won't hear God if you're not near God. Now listen, God is speaking to you, but you won't recognize his voice amongst all the other voices in life. So back to John 10. We see here Jesus isn't just talking about sheep and shepherds because he likes sheep and shepherds. He's using it as an illustration that many people uh, in uh, Israel would understand. Jesus is addressing the religious leaders and the Pharisees are listening. They were the religious leaders. They knew it all. But what had happened in the previous chapter, chapter 9, is the Pharisees had just thrown out a blind man. Man was blind from birth. And he began to see. And they're like, we can't have this. We're throwing you out in the synagogue. Why? They should rejoice that this man could see for the first time in his life. But he was healed on the Sabbath. A Sabbath was a, day, was a day to where you were not to do any work and dedicate this day to the worship of God. And they got so backwards and so legalistic with, with this day that even when God would work, they couldn't see it. All I could see is how they were doing, right? And so they threw out this blind man, put him out of the synagogue, and the Lord was having nothing of that. So he illustrated to them who they were. He illustrated that being close to the Lord looks like this. And he illustrated a shepherd who he would later on say, that's Jesus. Verse 2, the one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd uh, over those who are false shepherds. In fact, if you were to, he, he's alluding to uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, where many shepherds who were supposed to take care of the people of Israel uh, weren't taking care of the sheep. They weren't taking care of the people. They were in it for themselves. And he's saying, Pharisees, you're in this for yourself. They would understand what he was saying. A shepherd. A shepherd is a religious leader in the Old Testament. The religious leaders would understand this. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ezekiel 34, 15, where uh, the prophet Ezekiel was addressing these false shepherds. He said, I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord. He's saying that there will be a time when a true shepherd will come. And the true shepherd has come. His name is Jesus. So a shepherd's responsibility is to lead, to guide, and keep the flock of sheep, sheep safe. And you'll lead the sheep to green pastures, keep a watchful eye for predators or threats, and also to protect the sheep at all costs. Uh, so pastors, we are told in, in Scripture that, that we are an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd, uh, which means that as pastors, we are told we are, we are entrusted with the flock, even though uh, pastors, we're sheep too, uh, but we're entrusted with this, this task. It's an important task. Shepherds protect their flock at all costs, my dad, he, he, the McGowans, we had a farm until my dad said he didn't want it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but he never had sheep. I said, Dad, did you ever have sheep? And he goes, no, but I had geese. All right, okay, all right, you had geese. 
And so and the reason why he told me that is because something crazy happened. There was a time where a, just an awful thunderstorm came through, and it started dropping baseball-sized hail, all right? Baseball-sized hail. Now, baseball-sized hail can kill you. It can kill human beings. It can definitely kill uh, livestock. And so my dad immediately thought of the geese, the geese, I got to get the geese. And so he ran outside. The ba- he says the baseball size was hitting him in the back. Don't know how it missed his head. And he began to hover over the geese to protect them so they wouldn't die. And he grabbed them and took them into the barn for safety. Now, again, that's not sheep, but it's the heart's there. The heart is a shepherd will protect the sheep at all costs. And my dad said, man, that's crazy. I even did that. I could have died. I'm like, yeah, was, was it worth it for the geese? But... Apparently he was. You know, shepherds, they smell like their sheep because they're around their sheep. You know, sheep, on the other hand, they're not all that smart, right? So when God calls us sheep, I'm like, where are your sheep of your pasture? He's calling us dumb, all right? <laughs> he knows that we're prone to wander. He knows that we are prone to our own self-destruction. We are all sheep. I recently was made aware of an article in Turkey, uh, just a hilarious story about sheep. Uh, there's, these, there's this sheep in the sheep pasture in Turkey. And the shepherds are like, you know what? They're fine. We're going to go get a breakfast. So these shepherds went in, went into their, went into their cabin, and, uh, and they could see the sheep off the distance, and they began to have this good, hearty breakfast. This is what the newspaper article, I'm going to quote it. Shepherds from Ixler village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam. As a result, hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. Right? They're like, oh, man, this bacon's so good. Oh, man, this, this, these eggs are so good. Oh, you got the pancake. What are they doing? What are they? They're just jumping off the cliff. Why? they're dying no what's going on right and i'm guessing the shepherds had to talk to their boss they're losing their whole flock here right but why do sheep jump off a cliff because if one does it the other one's gonna follow i I mean i imagine our moms when they grew up like just because your friends are gonna jump off a cliff doesn't mean you need to do it too i guarantee our moms got their inspiration from sheep Because sheep will literally jump off a cliff. And what Jesus is telling us with sheep is if we do not follow our shepherd, if we do not follow the voice of God, if we don't follow after biblical truth, we will jump off a proverbial or even physical cliff. Sheep need a good shepherd. They need to be near so they can hear the voice of God. The sheep, when uh, they're little, they don't instantly recognize the voice of God. When they're lambs, they have to learn the voice of the shepherd. They have to to grow to understand the shepherd. They have to draw near to the shepherd. And when they do, they will recognize the shepherd over the false shepherds. Church, we have to learn the voice of God. We have to draw near to the voice of God. We have to long for the voice of God so that we know that when we are hearing competing voices in our life, we know if it's God or not God. Because you won't hear God if you're not near God. Back to verse 4. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of a stranger. Church, it is our joy. It's our duty to draw near to our shepherd, to take instruction and to be led by him. So that leads us to the question again, how then do we discern? If the voice of God is so important, 
if our spiritual condition is, is so dependent upon it, what do we do? And, and then number one, this is if you're taking notes, number one is, is we need to learn the character of God's voice. And we do this in two ways. We do this by being a student of the scriptures, and we do this by spending time and practicing listening him in the stillness. Let's talk about the first one, learning the character of God's voice, reading and understanding his biblical revelation. Let's talk about that. You know, how do we know things when we're hearing things in our head, if they're our own thoughts or if it's the lasagna we had the night before? I mean, it could even be the enemy speaking to us. By the way, you know, when Jesus was out in the wilderness, Satan quoted scripture to Jesus. Now, they were twisted. uh, They were modified. The enemy can do that, too. So we need to make sure that what we're hearing in our minds is indeed uh, biblical, is indeed the voice of God. James 3.13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil and evil in every evil practice. Verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Notice this. The voice we hear, we will listen, and we will follow, whether it's God or not God. And it's important that we shun the voices that are not from God because verse 15 it says such wisdom that does not come from heaven is earthly unspiritual it's demonic earthly is the opposite of heavenly I think this is where we fall into it I I don't want you I don't want you saying if someone makes an error you're just being a demon don't go there all right (laughs) but it could be that we're just looking at something from a perspective that's just it's not spiritual it's just earthly it's a very narrow understanding a very narrow sight of what's going on You know, the best way to stop thinking earthly thoughts is to get into God's word and to be sensitive to his spirit as you read his word and say, God, less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. Now, I'm a broken record about this. I've been saying this all during the pandemic. I just, even as I was praying today, I I just realized we, this is still, if there's still like a warning sign, a red flag, the Lord is saying this to us this morning. And he, it is this, is that we need to get in the word of God. We have to be students of the word of God. Uh, we, listen, there is a pandemic in the pandemic, and the pandemic of the pandemic is that we are, are illiterate when it comes to the word of God, uh, it, it, by and large. Now, some of you, you might be great students of it. Some of you might struggle with it. But I would say, as a Western church, we don't know our word. Why is the church today subscribing to things that are clearly not biblical? It's because we aren't students of the word. All scripture is breathed out by the spirit of God. The word of God remains forever. The word of God is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. The word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When we're not in the word, James warns us, our wisdom will be at best unspiritual. It'll be er at best earthly, excuse me, and then it can metastasize to being unspiritual. That's you begin to give out false wisdom. I can't tell you how many podcasts. I can't tell you how many books. I can't tell you how many borrow ideologies of of culture that are seeping into the church right now. Church, I want to tell you this. Going off script here a bit. Okay, let's see where I go. But I'm going to tell you, I know that we have an election coming up Tuesday. All right? And I know that, that it's, people are very passionate about that. You want to know what I'm way more passionate about than an election on Tuesday? 
seeing the church of God begin to borrow and seep in falsehood. We need to return to the word of God, be obedient to the word of God, because when you're obedient, you begin to hear God in your everyday life. You see, when we read the Bible, well, first off, we need to read the Bible. We need to get in the Bible. But the second thing is, is we just, just when we read it, we just don't read it like another book. We have to ask the question, God, what are you actually saying, Right? Spirit of the living God who inspired the writers perfectly, who now the Holy Spirit resides in me. God, what are you actually saying when I read this? When we read the Bible, we we don't place our own meaning into it, but we need to ask God, what are you saying? This requires not reading the Bible flippantly, not loosely or carelessly, but with an eye with careful detail to its context and the intent that God has for us. Now, there are times when I'm reading the Bible (laughs) uh, that sometimes I'm like, oh, what am I going to read? I'm like, I think I just found a new understanding. Oh, I'm going to be so, people are going to think I'm so brilliant on Sunday when I say this because they've never heard this before. You know, they're going to be, you know, all these podcast pastors that they listen to, they're going to actually hear something really, really just for the first time exclusive. I have a world exclusive. I have an interpretation for John chapter 10 that nobody's ever heard before. And you're going to want to love it. But I realized when I come up with an interpretation or when I come up with, when I have an aha moment and I start thumbing through all the commentaries of the last 2,000 years when nobody else has made that aha moment, guess what? I'm probably wrong, right? I'm not that smart. And listen, we need to have that attitude when we read the Bible. Too many people, including myself, we open up the Bible and say, you know what, we are the most enlightened of all of history right now. Uh, You know, here in 2020, we know more than anybody's ever preceded us because all those people before us were awful. (laughs) But we aren't. So I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to give you what the real meaning is. Listen, this is how cults are started, right? We don't bring meaning to the word of God. The word of God brings meaning to us. Amen? So, we need to read it. We need to understand the meaning of God's revelation. And when we spend time in his word, guess what begins to happen? We begin to discern the voice of God in our everyday life. We begin to realize the character of his voice in the everyday But listen, you cannot grow and be consistent in hearing the voice of God. Listen, if you're out of the word, you can maybe, you can hear God's voice. He can bring things and and, and reveal things to you. But listen, it will not be consistent and it will be a lack of power because the Bible will not be, don't be a remembrance of the Bible in in your minds. You need to read it, understand it. And with that, we'll begin to discern his character. Learning the character of God's voice requires you to read and understand biblical revelation. Secondly, learning uh, the character of God's voice requires you to spend time with him in communication with him. You need to pray and you need to listen. That's prayer and listening. John chapter 15, verse 14, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Mike Pilavachi puts it this way. He says, obedience is key to friendship with God, but before we obey, we first need to listen. It's a huge declaration from Jesus that he wants to share the family secrets. Isn't that awesome? 
What all has been revealed to him, he wants to reveal to you. Now, depending on how you grew up in church, when, when, you, when we talk about praying or communicating with God, some of you get really excited. Some of you are like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that. Some of you are like, oh, please. Can we, oh, this isn't for me. Prayer is not for me. Listen, if we're followers of Christ, prayer is for you. It's your privilege, and it's something we need to draw into and lean into. But often when we pray, it can become mindless, right? Like, all right, God, I'm just, I'm just going to start praying. Like one of my kids a couple days ago, he started praying before his food. And, I, and, and, um, and, and he started just praying. He's like, dear Jesus, he started praying for all these people. And then I realized halfway through his prayer, like he started praying his nighttime prayer, right? He started praying for his no bad dreams. He started praying that he'd have a good night's sleep. And it's only noon. But it took me halfway through his prayer for me to realize he was praying his bedtime prayer, which means he was going on autopilot. I was going on autopilot. How often when we go into prayer, we just go on autopilot? right? Or sometimes when, we, when we're praying, we're like, okay, I need God to hear me. So God, I'm going to shout at you right now and, 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 so you can hear me, and I'm going to repeat these things over and over and over again. Listen, it's, it's not wrong for you to bring things back up all the time, but what's wrong is if we think that we need to repeat things because we think you're up there, and we don't think you're near, and we don't think you can hear us. I, I really need help here, God. Listen, God is near. He's near. Here's the deal. Sometimes we treat God like a genie. We just go to him and we just start talking to him. Yep, 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 we talk to him. And then when we're done, we just hang up that phone, right? Right, it's, I did what I needed to do. God, you know what's going on. Listen, here's the deal. Prayer, prayer does not change God. Do you know that? God knows exactly what you're gonna ask for. And this is why people are like, why do we even pray? Because prayer changes you. Prayer brings you into, into his presence. Prayer brings you into communication with God. And, and God, it pleases God, and he longs that you have this communion with him. And so when we do all the talking, listen, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from Mike Bielovacci, if you're doing all the talking, it's rude. If you're a friend and you're talking to a friend and all you do is talk and then when that other friend wants to talk to you, you turn around and walk away, you're not going to be their friend for very much longer. Thankfully, God is full of grace and he'll never forsake you if you're in him, right? When praying, we don't talk to the Father. We get to talk with the Father. It's a relationship. And we need to listen more than we talk. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you can boldly approach his throne. And when we go before his throne, yes, make your request known to him. Yes, thank him. Yes, begin to just praise him for his attributes. But spend a lot of time dialing it down and being still and knowing that he is God and have a heart to listen. God, speak, for your servant is listening. God, what is it? What are you doing today? What is it, God? You see, I, I just, I'm going to go back to 1 Kings 18. You don't need to flip there. I'll put it on the screen for you. But 1 Kings 18 is, um, it, it recounts the story of the great prophet Elijah uh, who had a great victory against the prophets of Baal. Uh, this, I would say, is perhaps the biggest prophetic victory, one of the biggest prophetic victories in all of Scripture. Uh, and so you would think that after he had these, these huge victory that Elijah would be having a big victory party and, and he'd be high-fiving everybody and he would just, I mean, he would have his ministry made. But what I find is often when you have a great spiritual victory the next day, be prepared uh, for great challenges. And this was indeed uh, for Elijah. He, he, was, uh, he was threatened, his life was threatened. And so uh, he ran away and he not only felt like he was gonna die, he started bargaining with God that, hey, God, just take me. I'm, I'm sick and tired of running and my life being this way. 
So we pick up in 1 Corinthians or 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Then he said, go out, this is God, go out and stand out in the mountain in the Lord's presence at the moment. The Lord passed by. A great mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was scattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the, after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. What's interest, interesting about this passage is you would think that if you're going to hear the voice of God, you think that if God wants your attention, that is going to be as loud as an earthquake. It's going to be as intense as a fire. But what we see here, it came in a whisper. Yes, there are times that God can roar like a lion and shake like an earthquake and be intense like a fire. But oftentimes it's a whisper. When things seem to be falling apart, when people are screaming at you, when things are shaken and the heat is being turned up, I want you to know these are the things competing for your attention. These are the voices that want to define you. And it's in these moments, if we don't watch out, they will consume you, they will define you, and you will miss And he can roar, he can be loud, but often he speaks in a whisper. Why? Because our God is gentle, our God is merciful. He loves you despite all our misgivings, despite all what we have done. He wants to meet you. But how often do we miss his voice? Because we let the rest of this life drown it out. When we pray, we talk to God. And when we pray, we listen to God. We need to have the posture, what, Lord? Your servant is listening. You know, when we end our services each and every time, you may have noticed this, we, we want to provide that time. I mean, God can interrupt us in any part. We want to create space where he can interrupt us anywhere. But we want to have a tangible spot where, indeed, we're just going to wait and we're saying, God, we're here. What do you want? What do you want? It's not dialing it up. It's dialing it down. So we can be sensitive to what God wants to do and move in our heart. There are moments of celebration. There are moments where uh, there may be tears or joy. There may be moments that, that, that seem casual, but there must be moments where we're able to just listen to the voice of God. You won't hear God, though, if you're not near him. We need to discern the character of God. We need to be in his word. We need to spend time with him in prayer and listening to him. Now, when you begin to hear the voice of God, what do you do with it? And that's our second point, is we need to learn how to respond to God's voice. So when you hear it, what do you do with it? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, this is God speaking, and your ways not my ways, this is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, the thing is, is that God's ways, his understandings far supersede our understandings. And when we are, whether in scripture or whether God is, is calling us into obedience and we really like the life without Christ, but like, you know what, I need to step into the things of God. Sometimes it seems like our way is better. Sometimes it seems like our way makes more sense. But we got to understand that God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. And so when God is speaking the every day, listen, here's the deal. Whether it's reading through scripture or whether we begin to hear that still, small voice, we have to understand that's God revealing himself to you. We call that revelation, not the book of Revelation. Um, the book of Revelation was named after the 
uh, it, it's the revelation given to John, okay? All right, so that's the full name of that book, all right? All scripture is revelation, but also God can give you other revelation. We have general revelation. Scripture talks about the general revelation that when you look up to the stars, and you're like, there surely has to be something greater than me here, right? Uh, but then there's, there's even more general, there's even more specific revelation when God begins to speak in your heart. And so when you have revelation, I'll put it up here on the screen, you have, you have God revealing himself to you, and then you have to say, okay, what do I do with that? It's called interpretation. And finally, I mean, what's this mean? That's interpretation. Then finally, what do I do with that? And that's application. So you have revelation, you hear. Interpretation is, okay, what's this mean? And application is, what do I do with that? All right? And this is where sometimes we can get this messed up. We can hear correctly, but we interpret wrongly. Or we can interpret correctly, but we apply wrongly. All right? And so we have to be constantly in a state of God. Uh, help me through this. Uh, searching the scriptures, but also seeking out people that, that are godly. All right? Now, when God begins to speak in a, in a specific way, all right, uh, you, I've, I said this a few weeks ago, sometimes depending on your tradition, uh, you may hear it this way. You may, have, uh, from a, you may come from a Pentecostal tradition where you heard, thus saith the Lord, right? And then you may come from, some may have come from more of a charismatic tradition where you're like, well, God just spoke to me and God's saying this. Or you may have come from a Baptist uh, tradition where you're like, God just laid on my heart, right? We're all saying the same things with, with different uh, ways of saying it. Is that God indeed moves. He speaks, he moves in our everyday. So at Emmanuel, this is how I say it, and this is how our leadership sa says it. We want to be really, uh, when God begins to lay something in your heart or God's speaking to you, what we say is we just tweak it just a bit. A bit. We will not say, thus saith the Lord. We'll refrain from even saying God told me, but what we'll say is, I, be, I believe God is saying. Because here's the deal. When God is moving in the everyday, we have to be open that we are not perfect, all right? We mess up. And so if we're saying like, hey, I think like God is leading me to, you know, God's saying I need to go to this particular school and then I don't get accepted. Like, I don't want people thinking God made a mistake. I made the mistake, all right? I miss, either misheard, I misinterpreted, or I misapplied, right? And so uh, we just need to leave that, that wiggle room for us to like, hey, when I step out and I'm believing that God is moving and saying something in a particular way, like, I believe God is saying this. And we'll be, we'll be able to see the confirmation and the fruit later and give him glory. Let me give you an example. Um, we have our missions partner in South Africa, our missions partner, uh, Don Olding, and uh, uh, we have conferences that go all around South Africa that train up the youth of a nation, and the strategy for training up the youth of a nation in South Africa is because many youth of the nation of South Africa have HIV AIDS. Uh, the average uh, age of a male before they die in South Africa, the last I checked, was in the mid-50s, all right? And so it's, it's strategy to, to really reach them super young. I think it's a good strategy here in the United States as well. But there's an urgency because the life expectancy is so, less, so, so few uh, in South Africa. And so we have a great dynamic uh, partnership there. We go there about every other year. I hope that some of you are able to join us when we go and take trips there because we help uh, launch conferences. Because of your generosity each and every Sunday, we are able to put, help him put on uh, a conference. If, if, if it wasn't for your giving, uh, one of those conferences wouldn't have funding. So that's, that's directly what happens there. But, you know, there was a time we didn't, I didn't know Don, I didn't know anything about South Africa. But I was in Jamaica in 2008 on a youth missions trip. And for whatever reason, I just started hearing South Africa in my mind. I'm like, what in the world? Why do I want to go to South Africa? Is this just because I want to go there? And, and so I, I just began to hear it in my mind. So I began to pray about it. 
As I began to pray about it in 2008, and as the years went on, I began to dream about it. And I began to dream, I was preaching in front of a bunch of people. I'm like, what in the world? So I just kind of sat on it and prayed, okay, God, uh, when you open up that door for opportunity, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Fast forward all the way to 2013. I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm at a dinner with different uh, pastors, and we're at a pastor training event. And there's this guy from South Africa. And he goes, hi, my name's Don. I said, hi, my name's Andy. I'm from South Africa. It's like, really, what part? And it was the part where I'd always have these constant dreams. Like, oh, I've been dreaming about this place. It's crazy. It's like, really? What have you been doing? Oh, I've been preaching the gospel. Well, I need someone to preach the gospel. You come next summer? What? And so we did. And little did we know, it blossomed into this amazing partnership. I can look back and say, God, you were revealing that. God, I, I had to work out what you meant by that. But God, the application is, as many of you have been over to South Africa now, and today people are, are being trained up in the gospel. Today, uh, the, 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 the deepest slums that you can think of are being reached in South Africa because God started placing our heart back in 2008. God can speak in us, to us in the everyday, whether it's during prayer or he's bringing uh, to knowledge to your mind or he's bringing wisdom or he's bringing pictures or, or even dreams. Whatever you feel as if as God is speaking, it must match up to the word of God. It never takes its place. It's never more important than the word of God. And often where people get it wrong is uh, where uh, you know, they may hear from it, but again, they get it wrong somewhere down here. They don't interpret it or they don't apply it right. That's why we need to be open-handed and saying, God, just help us lead us. Uh, wrestle with it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. The Bible is the supreme court of God's revelation. If anything goes against it, uh, whether uh, it be uh, revelation, interpretation, application, listen, I want to tell you, it's not of God if it goes against scripture. Last week, Ben, didn't Ben do a great job last week? Yeah, last week Ben ended with a dream that he had. And again, I love it that Ben shared this. He was even really hesitant to share this because Ben's a guy to where that it, it's, for some people this happens all the time. For him, it's, it's less frequent. And he's like, I don't want to show off and people think they have to do what I do. And it's like, no, 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 share it because it's going to bless you, all right? If you haven't heard this, you can check it out on our website from last week. But I'll give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of the sequel, the director's cut to it. So if you weren't here last week, I'll catch you up. First, Ben was a, a friend of mine who was in ministry for many years. For what, there's a number of circumstances that led him out of ministry for a bit. He was working at a Harley Davidson shop, and he thought, you know what, I'm probably never going to go back into ministry again. And so he was working on Harleys, and he was going to this church. And but then one night he had this dream, and it was a, a voice in this dream he perceived was from the Lord. And basically, it led him to this dumpster where all his books, all his pastoral books, his commentaries, were in this trash can. And the Lord basically said, "Why are you throwing away my tools?" And then he woke up. He kind of left it there. But the first thing he did is he called me. He said, dude, you can't believe what just happened. And I'm like, yes! Because I knew, like, I was praying for him. Like, he's going back into ministry. He's like, yes, he heard it. And he had been fasting for a month. I can't forget that because when you're fasting, listen, things happen, right? But the thing is, it's like, he's like, what do I do with this? I'm like, I don't know, man. What do you think? It's like, I don't know. I'm just, just keep your eyes wide open. Guess what? Two weeks later, a guy from that church that he was attending, is like, hey, how would you like to go back to ministry? We'd like to maybe see if we can get a position to hire you. He's like, what? And so Ben began to pray again. And then he heard, and it, he thought he heard from the Lord, October. And so it's like, oh man, he called me up and said, Andy, I think I'm gonna go back in ministry in October. I'm like, this is crazy. Well, guess what? October came and it passed and he was devastated. And he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like I thought it was October. And I was like, Ben, what if it's next October, <laughs> right? Am I not, did you hear a year? No. 
All right, let's start praying in for next October. Guess what happened next October? He was hired, all right? And the thing is, is that what's beautiful about that is sometimes you might think like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Sometimes we place way too much meaning into what we're seeing, and sometimes we just need to wait, say, God, let's watch this unfold. So the thing is this. We need to make sure that no matter what, that we are open and that we're continually praying that, God, we want to hear your voice. Here I am, God. Your servant is listening. So here's how we apply this in our everyday. If we're going to hear God's voice, and most importantly, because this is in the auspice of the Holy Spirit series of building up the church, what must we do now? Well, it's this. We need to be ready, we need to be humble, and we need to take baby steps. We need to be ready, we need to be humble, we need to take baby steps. We need to be ready. Every day, God, your servant is listening. What is it? You need to get in his word, you need to spend time with him, you need to have a journal and begin to write things down, what, what God's revealed to you in scripture, or maybe what you just kind of feel leading. Maybe sometimes he might give you a name. Listen, there was a time that I, I thought that... Um, you know, he was leading me to pray for somebody. I thought they were in danger. I was like, this prayer time. I was like, I got to call them. I think they're in danger. So I called them up and I, I took the risk. And I said, hey, I, I need to pray for you. Are, are you in some kind of danger? No, I'm not. They weren't. I was wrong. But you know what? I was ready. I took a step out. I was wrong. I didn't say God said. I said, I think God's saying this. But you know what happened? I was able to pray with them. That's a pretty good day, isn't it? I, I, just, I was able to pray with them anyway. Now, it could have been that there, something was up, and in that case, guess what? Uh, God used it in that moment, but we need to be ready whether we're right or whether we're wrong. And we need to be humble. When God begins to use you and you begin to, like, it's exciting when you're able to discern his voice, it can get to your head. We need to be humble. The worst thing the church can experience is a person in the name of Jesus thinking they're the best thing that happened to the church. Listen, don't be the person that thinks, the church needs me, right? Humbly serve, humbly serve. And finally, take baby steps. If this is new to you, take baby steps. The first baby step is, if, if, you've, if you're not in your scripture, get in your scripture. Take that giant leap. But for others, it may be that just be open to pray for somebody. Be open that if, if, if God places someone on, on your heart or if you begin to hear things, that you go to that person and say, hey, I just can I pray with you? Can I just share something with you? And be ready to say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. As I said, sometimes we have times, oftentimes we have at the end of our service, just time where we open up uh, just to want to just wait on the Lord. And I realize in a room here where we have over 100 people plus in this room, that God's going to do different things to different people. And I do know there's going to be a moment where there's going to be people that want to share scripture or God's late, they think that something's for the now. And you know what? Sometimes we'll let, you've seen it. We'll bring someone up and say, we think, this person's going to encourage the church right now. But Paul said when we do that, it shouldn't be more than two or three. And oftentimes when God gives something to you or lays something on your heart, oftentimes it's for you. Sometimes it's for the whole church, but sometimes, much, many of the times, it's for you. But here's the deal. It's exciting when you hear the voice of God. God wants to do it because he wants to draw you in and, and being close with him in a relationship. But also he wants you to bless others. You'll never know, but I do know that God is going to use you in the right timing with the right words that's going to impact somebody for a lifetime. You know, this message may be stretching for many because you think of God as being distant, but we don't have a distant God. We have a God that is so close. And I want to speak specifically now to those that 
maybe this is your first time in church or maybe um, you struggle with the existence of God or that God could actually be a personal God. But here's the beautiful thing. God is personal. He created you to have a relationship with him. He created you to know him just intimately in in a a close way. He created you uh, to know that he is God. He created you to find your best life in him. But the problem is, is that every single one of us, we've messed up. We've sinned. Our sin separates us from our almighty God. But here's the deal. Even though our sin separates us from almighty God, and there's nothing that we can do in ourselves, Jesus went to the cross to pay it all. He went to the cross to pay for your sins, past, present, future. He died, but he rose from the dead because he's a perfect sacrifice. And the Bible says you can be made right with God. You can begin to draw close to him when you place your faith and trust in him alone. The Bible says all who cry out in the name of the Lord will be saved. So Father, I just pray for anybody in this room today that God, that you uh, would uh, just speak to the heart, that they would draw close to you and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. If that's you, with every head's bowed and eyes closed, if you know today, yeah, I, I need Jesus. I, I need his forgiveness. Today, you're ready to step into a personal relationship with him. Here's the deal. It's nothing that you did. It's all what Jesus did. It's placing your faith and trust in him alone, what he did on the cross. If that's you. You're ready to say, yes, I want his forgiveness. I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that is you today, we just make eye contact with me right now and say, yeah, it's me. I just want to see what God's doing. Thanks. Anybody else? Awesome. So Father, I thank you so much for those that are stepping into faith now. Just pray, God, that they would cry out to you saying, Lord Jesus, you're enough. Thank you for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Again, if you'd like more information on Emmanuel, check us out online at kenosha.church. Also, we'd love it if you connected with us on Facebook and Instagram, both at kenosha.church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes at Emmanuel Kenosha. That way you never have to miss an episode and it helps us out greatly. At Emmanuel, we are not a perfect people, but a people being made new. Thanks for listening to this week's episode and we'll see you next time on the Emmanuel Message Podcast.